and welcome to My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, and I'm joined by my co-host, Pilar Ortiz. Pilar, how are you doing? I am doing very well, I have to say. It's one of those days when I'm like, yeah, I feel good today. <laughs> I woke up to sunshine, which always makes yes, a difference. That's it, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, Richard, what are we talking about today? So uh, a few weeks back, I posted on our online community, which you can find at worklifepsych.club. Uh, I wrote a post all about um, the need for us uh, to be flexible about our goals. And, and sometimes we can get ourselves into trouble when we don't look up from pursuit of goals and don't take account of the fact that the world has changed around us or our circumstances have changed. And then it, it can just be too demanding, too stressful, too, uh, there's a lack of fulfillment there. So it got me thinking about while goals are excellent, um, all of the ways that, you know, uh, we, um, and our approach to goal setting can get between us and actually achieving those important things. Hmm. So can you remind me what a goal is as opposed to my checklist? Because I'm not very good at, I don't, to be honest, I don't even set goals. <laughs> so or maybe I do, but I don't call them that. So what, what are we talking about here? This, this is a really interesting question, Exactly, especially what you just said, because that's something that coaches bring up um, regularly. You know, I don't have any goals. I've never used goals. And yet, if we look at it through one lens, you know, getting out of bed in the morning could be viewed mm. as a goal. Um, getting to the end of a really tough week of work um, could be a goal. Or you could say, I, I need to sell this much of my product in order to be profitable this year. Or I want to bring on this many more new clients to my business. Or I want to pass my Spanish language exam. You know, so when we think about um, goals, it's about the achievement of something. It's a good way to think of it. And whereas tasks on your to-do list could be viewed as the steps that help us get towards that point of achievement. And of course, at the, the top level of this sort of hierarchy of concepts are our values, which are really relevant to goals, but they're different because we don't achieve our values. We don't uh, arrive at a point where we can cross one of those important values off our list. Whereas with our goals, we do because it's been attained, we've reached it, and then we can move on to something else. Now, it, I had this conversation just the other day in a workshop about, well, maybe sometimes the task is the goal. If it's a very, very simple thing, but it's important, it might just be one thing on a list. Do that this mm. week. But often, more often, I might argue, the, the tasks combine and um, fulfillment of those means that we get to the end point, which is achieving the goal. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, it does. And and I I was thinking about the with the relationship to values. Um, it's maybe I'm, I'm <laughs> maybe I'm I'm jumping ahead, but my, one of the reasons why some goals never get achieved because they are not in line with our values. Exactly that. I, I think that's a really really important point to this. It's either they're not they're not in alignment with our values or we haven't made the link. We haven't mm. explored how is this goal important to me. This often comes up um, when we're given the goal by someone else. So when I talk about goal setting, often the mental image people have is something that I want to achieve. It's personal to me. It's important to me. But actually, when we're in the workplace, we're given goals all the time, um, explicitly, sometimes implicitly, things we need to achieve. And that's where values can be really useful. If that goal is 
I mean, let's be honest, boring, dry, <laughs> not very motivating. It can be useful to say, well, if I work hard towards this goal, how will I be putting my values in action? And that's one of the way our values can be helpful here. They can help us persist even when the goal itself and the activities associated with that goal aren't particularly motivating or exciting. And I'm hearing that you're bringing, this is coming up a lot in your coaching sessions. So how do you, well, how do you approach this in a coaching session? Do you look at, uh, yeah, yeah, just how do you approach this? Well, coaching is all about moving from today to the future. And so therefore it, it can be really useful to establish, well, where do you want to get to? And that could be a very explicit, clear, measurable goal. I want to achieve this promotion. I want to secure this new job. And that would be clear to myself, the coachee, and a, a magical third person who joined the table where we all understand what you're working towards. Yeah. I would argue in the work that I do more often, it, there's goals along the way, but someone wants to achieve some change in their life that actually the change they want to achieve doesn't make for uh, a very traditional goal, but they will achieve goals on the way to doing that. So for example, if we're talking about some unhelpful habits like procrastination or how they manage pressure and stress, it, it, we wouldn't say by the 1st of September, I will be Zen-like and calm, but, but actually what we're going to do along the way is goals of, you know, are you practicing that thinking skill? Have you delegated those tasks you said you would? So we can measure what's being done and what's not being done, but it's not that we reach the end of coaching and go tick the box for that higher order goal. And the, the evidence to support goal setting is very powerful and it's very consistent and it's been that way for, for a very long time. But at the same time, coaching isn't just about goals, but at least coaching psychology isn't just about goals, but they do, if they're well-formed and relevant and all of that good stuff, I describe them as acting like a, a magnet in the future, pulling us towards them. We really want to get there. And that's why they can be really helpful. The flip side is um, we don't always set goals well, um, mm. and yet we have the goal, but we don't get there. And that's what I wanted to talk about today. Great. Well, go for it. Go for it. What, what are the reasons? We've already identified, I suppose, the non-alignment with values. Is that something that's... Yeah, I think I think that's, that's, a, that's a really important one. And when I was preparing for this, um, I was thinking, well, here's all the ways I have failed to reach my goals, <laughs> then moved on to what's come up in coaching conversations. And when I teach goal setting to managers, what are some of the questions they have? So that, that's where this 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 content came from. So top of the list is inauthentic goals. Mm -hmm. I'm setting a goal, but I don't really connect with it. I don't believe in it. Maybe I say yes to this goal because it's expected of me. Um, maybe I do this because other people are doing it and I think I should, or maybe it could fly in the direct opposite uh, direction of my values. But whatever the reason is, I don't authentically want to get there. And that's really important to understand because we could have a well-crafted goal written down, uh, bulletproof. You know, you could explore it from all the different perspectives and that's an amazing goal. Goal setting is so separate to goal attainment. Just setting the goal just is clarity on where we're going to get to. And if it's right. inauthentic to us, well, what do we do? Do we take the steps towards the goal? Possibly we do not. And um, not feeling it or inauthentic goals is a really common example. 
I can really relate to that one from a personal point of view. I've had, I can, I can think of specifically, I think it was when I was setting up my business and I was trying to find ways of developing it. And one, I had a session with, with someone who was on their way to coaching. They were doing their coaching certificate. And then mm. another one, separate one with a friend who was helping me think some of this out. And both of them, at some point, we came to the conclusion that I absolutely needed to jump on the phone and call people. <laughs> mm -hmm. And as I was talking to them, you know, it all made sense. And he's like, yeah, of course. And you sweat like that. But actually, that never happened. And at that point now, I realize, I don't know where that was coming from, but that just did not sit right on many ways. And if it had been my job in an organization to do that, I would have probably done it because that would have been part of my job. But because it wasn't, eventually, well, that never got done. Mm. Uh, I can identify with that 100%. And um, my reflection would be when we find ourselves saying, I should do this, it's mm. very different to I want to or I will do this. It's I should because isn't that what people do? Isn't that what they've said? Um, when in fact, that could, you know, if you'd done that, that could have really turned you off doing this job. It yeah. could have really made you unhappy and walk away from it. Mm -hmm. And it also shows us that there's more than one way to do these things. So a, a lot of the time, the inauthenticity or, or indeed the second point on my list is pressure from others, yeah. even well-intentioned pressure, whether that's social pressure, we're all doing it, we're all working towards this, or, or just being told you need to, to do this. Um, that, you know, we can respond badly to that and we can head in the opposite direction um, and not feel that we want to move towards that goal. That pressure from others can, can activate our inner rebel if you like. Mm. And, and that, you know, that's not a way to convince someone to do something. It, it really isn't. Um, when in fact, if, if you want to make a change and you want support from someone, one of the most useful things they can do is to listen to you as to why you want to make that change and also show some empathy for why that is difficult to do that before getting into, oh, here's what you need to do. Yes. Comes from a good place, right? We want to help someone. Oh, yes, yes, but completely. But it's not, it's not a great way of mm. helping someone reach that goal. Now, when we're setting goals, um, and when I run training sessions to help managers do goal setting for their teams, we use the smarter framework um, to remind them of what needs to be in a goal or the quality markers if we're looking at a goal. And I really want to underline this point that having a smarter goal is just a way of saying this goal, if we picked it up in four weeks time on a piece of paper, we'd still know what we were talking about. It's not the same as the work towards the goal. It's not the same as the supportive manager needs to give their direct report. Or even if you're doing it for yourself, it's goal setting. You've got it on a piece of paper. But when was the last time a piece of paper changed your life? <laughs> but if we want to look at this through the lens of quality, then we need to be specific. That's what the S in Smarter stands for. And when we're not specific about the goal we want to reach, how will we know when we've got there? How will we know, um, to, to, to touch on the earlier point, how will we know why it's important to us? How will we explain it to other people? That's where we want to get to. So a lack of specificity sounds like I want to be healthy um, or I want a new job. <laughs> mm -hmm. And well, hold on, let's talk a little bit more specifically about what that looks like and how you will know um, why it's important to you, et cetera, et cetera. So the lack of specificity raises its head when we think of New Year's resolutions. You know, they're the ultimate non-specific goal. Um, I'm going to, this will be my year, I'm going to be healthy, or I'm going to manage my finances better. Well, what does it mean? 
So if we want to check for specificity, we can ask ourselves, if I asked 10 other people what they thought this meant, would I get similar answers or not? Very simple, but it's something that is easy for us to lose in the excitement of, of goal setting. And sorry, go on. No, I was going to say without derailing you and in case other listeners are wondering, um, I think I need to keep up, but my goals used to be smart. When did they become smarter? <laughs> and well, what does the ER <laughs> you know how I love to jump on a bandwagon because other people are doing it. No, I, I've, I've, I came across this. I actually can't remember from who. Um, probably six or seven years ago. The, the SMART uh, framework is really, really useful, but the E and the R at the end stand for um, enthusing or exciting. So Ooh. when I look at this goal, does it spark anything within me? And I, often that's a sense check for, do I even want this goal? Or if a manager is setting the goal, it's how can we frame it so that it is exciting yeah. for you? And R, the second R, which is never a good idea in acronyms, but anyway, um, the second R is um, revisited. So right. how frequently will I look at this to check my progress? And that's mm-hmm. very basic, but without that, we forget. We set it and we forget it, and then nothing happens. Yeah. Well, I love that. I'm glad I asked. Yeah, yeah, makes mm. sense. So um, we might also leave out the M, the measurability. So what is the measure of success here? Um, can I measure it myself? Is it objective or is it subjective? And subjective isn't terrible. There's some psychological goals we might have where subjectivity is probably the only way we could measure it, and that's just fine. But if it's a work-related goal, um, it's very important that it's measurable because, remember, goals are often attached to the rating we receive or the um, appraisal feedback we get, and that could have an impact on our financial income. So we want to make sure the measurability is in there for fairness, if nothing else. And the measurability can also um, cause us to think again about specificity. And that's what I really like about this smarter framework, actually. Not that it's magical, but if you're answering these questions for yourself, it can make you say, oh, okay, I thought I was being specific, but now that I've come to the question of measurability, I need to get more specific or I need to get into the the timeliness of this. You know, when will this be done? And if we don't think of time, then why would you start working on it today? Because there's no deadline. So all of them, they sort of support each other. They're not the same as working towards the goal, but they give you a really good starting point. We might, um, when setting it for someone else or even for ourselves, set a goal that's just too demanding. It's just too difficult. So we need to remember, is this achievable? Now, this this comes back to my point about context and the flexibility that we need to have within goals. Um, if the, the the goal itself is too demanding, we won't we won't achieve it, and that could be very demotivating, and it could have all those knock on um, things that I was uh, speaking about earlier. But it could get more demanding because the context around us changes. It could become impossible because mm. of what's going on around us. So I know it's um, an extreme example, but remember how much change we had to implement in our focus and our goals because of the pandemic. You know, everyone had to look at their organizations and go, right, what's possible? We need to shelve that. We need to bin that. We need to pause that. If businesses had continued, if organizations had continued saying, no change, we just continue with our goals, you know, it would have been failure left, right and center and a lot more stress and no one needed that. So we need to remember that the goal needs to be achievable for that person in this context, but also leaving the door open that things might change. And actually, 
you know, it, it, it's the external things that I'm mindful of. If there was a big economic change, if there was an organizational change, like a restructure, if several people on the team resigned at the same time, that's a, that's a, a big impact on someone's context. So we do need to look at these goals and say, how can we or might we amend them to better take account of uh, what's going on around us? I think it's really important. Otherwise, they go from being something that helps us achieve to something that beats us up every time we look at them. Yeah. And sometimes it's very hard to accept that something has changed so much that we need to either, like you say, either change it or sometimes drop it as well. Totally. It's come up in, in conversations I've had with early career coaches when they're on a development program mm -hmm. and something changes in the work environment. And then they're told, look, we, we need to just pause your work on this goal. It, it's not as relevant as it was before. And they take that hard and, and they take it to heart. And I find myself explaining, but isn't it better to pause on it than to keep working on something that might never happen? And you can either work with your manager to identify a new goal or agree when you will pick this goal up again. And it, this is a good thing that your manager is doing. Um, it doesn't always feel that way, though. Hmm. Now, because goal setting is a relatively straightforward activity, we can find it's exciting. We can find it motivating. And we can end up setting too many goals hmm. for ourselves or for others. And this is... Um, This is a fast track to, to job-related stress, to be honest. If you've got too many goals, if you're working on too many things at the same time, it's easy to overload yourself because something that we sometimes have a disconnect with is our future selves. So today I'm writing down these goals for the year. I'm feeling so motivated about the, my, my future state, but I don't think about my future self who's going to have to do all the work towards these goals. And then um, we might feel a sense of obligation towards them and get ourselves into a situation of overwhelm and all of that stuff we want to avoid. So I argue we need to be pretty Spartan when it comes to our goals and get it down to, at least in our personal lives, you know, what's that most important thing to me? Let me give that focus. Maybe there's two things, but if you, if you look at a piece of paper and, or your, your digital notes, and you go, go on, I've got 10, 11, 12, 13 goals for this year. <laughs> Is that realistic given the life you have? When we're setting our goals, we need to remember that there's a life that lives um, all around us and beyond these goals, beyond this moment of excitement. And so we need to think about how practical it is to work towards them. And there's nothing wrong with saying, I've got 13 things I want to achieve. Let me press pause on 12 of them, make a note of them, but work on this first most important one until I achieve it. And then I can come back to the others. And that's a, a more sustainable way to approach that personal change that we want. Because doing too many new things at the same time is just very unsettling and can be, as I said, overwhelming. Yeah, I'm getting better at... <laughs> <laughs> revisiting <laughs> in that way. Yeah, yeah I had I that understand. experience when setting up my business because every time I encountered a new idea mm. or a new service that was out there to help businesses, I thought, oh, well, I need to do that, <laughs> you know, and, and reviewing my own goals, I thought this is absolutely <laughs> uh, unsustainable. So it was a case of pressing pause on lots of them and then doing the essentials yeah. first.
And I have whittled it down in the business to just a, a few motivating, important business critical things each year. And I just repeat them and I track how I'm working towards them year on year. And that just reminds me, oh, time's slipping away a little bit this quarter. I might need to do a little bit more or, oh, great. That's, that's, uh, that's going okay. I don't need to stay awake at night worrying about that. But I, I would be very likely <laughs> to create far too many goals for myself. Mm. So that's for me. That's <laughs> some of you listening may have had the same experience. Some of you listening are working towards goals at work right now. And you may realize after a while, some of those goals are in conflict with each other. So when we're setting goals for others at work, we need to be mindful of any unintended consequences of that. Maybe the goals uh, in isolation look sensible and achievable, but actually when we put them together, we're requiring too many different things of a person or the outcomes, uh, if attempted together, will be unachievable. So we need to think about how the goals stack up and if they're still doable, never mind the workload, the actual doing of them. I would have to say that the number one thing um, in my coaching practice that I come across when people are disappointed about goals is that when we dig a little bit, they didn't take any action. Yeah, We didn't move beyond the goal setting phase. So many reasons this could be, lots of them that we've, we've, we've talked about before. But I think the main, the main challenge when we set goals is we don't say, and what's the first thing I'm going to do to move this? We don't address the inertia. We don't... Start the ball rolling. So that's to come back to your very first question. That's why we need to have goals and the tasks or the interim goals that will help us get there. Uh, so revisiting the goals is very important, but also understanding what does this mean for my behavior? What activities am I going to do? And really getting that down to, it could be something like how many phone calls do I need to make per week to prospective clients? It could be, if it's a personal one, it could be how many gym visits does that require? Or uh, how many steps per day do I want to walk in order to uh, reach this ultimate goal? But we need to turn it into something and then start with that something. Otherwise, it's a lovely, beautiful, well-crafted goal filed away and never achieved. So on the one hand, goals are great for giving us that sense of uh, a target to work towards in the workplace. They bring clarity and focus and direction. And when everyone on a team has appropriate goals, we're all pulling in the same direction. There's so much going for them if it's done properly. But because that's relatively straightforward, we might um, give people too much. We might neglect the changing context around us. Um, and we as, as, as individual people may not feel the connection with those goals. So I'd encourage everyone out there who's a manager uh, and is involved in goal setting is, you know, get the essentials of the smarter framework in place, but also think about the bigger picture. Think about the number of goals. Think about that person. Think about your context. Um, so to ensure that this is a realistic thing you're doing. And of course, that people actually do things mm -hmm. that will move them towards the achievement of that goal. That sounds like a massive complaint. It's, it's not, but it just comes up as a challenge uh, so frequently in the work that I do with my clients. So I thought, let's remind people 
um, that there's lots of things we could do differently in order to help us achieve our goals. Hope that makes sense, Pilar. I think it's a great list for me from two points of view. One is if we're not moving forward, why why might it be? Like a mm. good revisiting list. And also, as you said, I think it's also a great goal setting list. We want to do this. Okay, let me just go right and then go, okay, yes, I can now set this. Or actually, ooh, I've got to too many goals and I have too many goals. Or ooh, I've got to um, overly demanding and actually realistically. So I think it's a great list. Hopefully, listeners <laughs> will find that useful too. Please get in touch with your questions about goals and goal setting and how they relate to other things. You can send us a message on Twitter at mypocketpsych or send us an email uh, podcast at worklifepsych.com. Um, look forward to uh, discussing our next topic very soon. But for now, everyone, thank you for listening. downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.